Go for the midnight cares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is the Jacob Media YouTube channel. I'm Derek Gunn. This is Draft Takes. It is brought to you by IBEW Local 98, Mark Lynch, the business manager. Once again, shout out to everybody who's been hitting that like button. Keep smashing it and watching us each and every day of our 2022 NFL draft coverage. Of course, the Eagles have made some spectacular picks. And of course, as we know about Howie Roseman, we really don't know about Howie Roseman. But <laughs> if you guys watched our draft show on Friday night, that was with uh, Rob Ellis. Mike Quick and one of my all-time favorite Eagles, this man right here, Seth Joyner. And by the way, follow Seth on his own Seth Joyner podcast, a tremendous podcast. I've been blessed enough to be on several times over the last couple of years. Uh, you heard Seth and I talking about the linebacking position, why he liked the bigger backer, why I was in love with the kid the Eagles finally drafted in the third round, Nicobe Dean. And, and Seth, as I bring you in, uh, I'm sitting here shocked that Dean fell to the third round and then we find out supposedly has this pec injury but I'm a little confused because Dean basically said he was never told that he needed surgery on this shoulder right. or this pec injury <laughs> and all of a sudden all these teams shied away from him but we also know Seth that a lot of times misinformation is put out there about players for a reason and unfortunately it cost this young man a lot of money yeah, you know, I feel really bad for this kid. You know, you go, you move from a projected top 15 pick with the opportunity, you know, to, you know, make substantially more money than he's now going to be making as the 83rd pick in the third round. Um, all because, you know, some misinformation um, was put out there about this kid on draft day. And yeah. the thing that perplexes me the most, now don't, don't get me wrong, I am ecstatic, ecstatic mm -hmm. that the Eagles you know, have this kid on their roster because he's going to make the whole linebacking core much better. And I believe, yes. you know, within the next two to three years, he's going to be um, the ultimate leader of this defense. Um, I felt that, you know, that's one of the intangibles that he brought. Um, and I was excited, you know, when I saw that the Eagles were able to snatch him up. But, you know, something needs to be done about this. I mean, I, I just don't understand. How do you go through the, uh, the combine process your pro day process, um, individual meetings with other teams and things like that. And then something so erroneous as, you know, what was put out about him could be put out on draft day and it affects this kid. He moves from day one in the first round, sitting in the green room by himself to actually being picked in the third round, the early 83rd pick overall. There's just something wrong with this, man. Well, not only that, but now Howie Roseman has come out and said they expect him to be there for the rookie camp and for the OTAs in a mini camp, which which leads us to breathe. And Howie also said he is not scheduled for any surgery. Hmm. So, so I, I, I don't understand. I, I really, it, it's just mind boggling that, I, okay, we, we see players, when, when rumors get out like this, we see players drop from a possible top 10 candidate down to the low 20s, maybe even right. into the to the late 30, or at the very least, high to mid second round. But for him to drop all the way out of the first two rounds of the draft when he was considered one of the top two linebackers in all of football, 
in 2022 coming into this draft. I mean, he talks about how it was crazy, how it upset his mother and other family members and things like that. Well, in this case, all he can do now is go out there and play with that proverbial chip on his shoulder and, and really prove a lot of people wrong in this case. Well, believe me, he's the type of player that has that mentality and he will come in with a chip on his shoulder. That bodes well, you know, for the Philadelphia Eagles. But again, you know, yeah. when, when you lose money like this in the first round, you, you don't make it up because, yeah. you know, people say, well, his next contract. Well, his next contract has nothing to do with the money that he's able to garner now. The money that right. he lost from round one to round three, that money he'll never be able to, you know, to, to recoup. And it's just wrong. I mean, you know, you've got all these mock drafts and all of these so-called mm -hmm. gurus that, that that project where a guy should be. And then I hear these guys on draft night sometimes. Oh, you know, I had him projected as a third round. You know, I, I, I think it was a little bit of a reach for them, you know, to go up and get this guy. Well, you hear that rhetoric from the time the Super Bowl ends all the way up, you know, to the draft where these guys are making these 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 assumptions and making these assertions. Yeah. And you would think that organizations would be smart enough to do their homework and already know. But unfortunately, there's a lot of organizations that are actually, um, you know, influenced by some of the things that these gurus say and some of the things that they talk about. But the thing that perplexes me the most about this is that every one of these teams had the opportunity to do their their homework right. on this kid. And you right. can't tell me some of the I, there's linebackers that was taken before him that aren't even on his level. And you mean to tell me that he slid that much? That he fell that far behind? You know, understanding who he is and what he can do? Um, I hope he's got a chip on both shoulders. And I hope he comes in and um, and, and proves everyone wrong um, about this nonsense. And, and to your point, if Harry Roseman is coming in and saying, hey, there's no issues, um, right. then – you know, there's no issues. If the kid came out and said, you know, in his interview, hey, there's no issues. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get here and get to work. You know, then there, there are no issues. But somebody, there's a bad actor somewhere that started a rumor that cost this kid an exorbitant amount of money. And I feel bad for him, but I'm ecstatic for the Philadelphia Eagles that they've got this kid, um, you know, on their roster because he's going to make the entire defense better um, just by the level of play that he's going to bring to this football team. When you and I were discussing linebackers on our, our draft take special, you know, we, we went in detail about this young man. Um, and, and I said, well, first of all, we, we now know that the small linebacker can survive and thrive in the National Football League. He's 5'11", like 229. I compared him to Devin White, Devin Bush, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, um, Eric Kendrick of the Minnesota uh, Vikings. Um, when you look at look at him um what jumps out at you about his style of play and the program obviously he played for right well listen he's a physical player at, at 228 and listen he, he had one of the he had one of the best defensive lines um yeah. in all of college football he's now being paired back up with jordan davis who the eagles took in in the first round mm -hmm. um he's got fletcher cox and javon hargrave in front of him and a host of other guys at the defensive end and rush and, and edge rusher position that's going to allow him to do what he does best. This kid runs to the football and he makes plays. He's got enough, he's going to have enough size in front of him 
and they're going to be able to keep him clean, especially when they get in their five-man fronts. Even yep. if they go five-man, even if they, they still want to go nickel, if they go five-man and five defensive backs and you only keep one one linebacker on the field, well, you can go yep. with your, your eagle or your bear look, you know, go five-man, cover the three down inside with two guys kicked out on the outside, and you mm -hmm. just let him run from C-gap to C-gap and just knock snot from people because you're not going to be able to move all three guys in the middle. He's They're going to eat up the center and the two guards, you know, and all he's got to do is flow from C-gap to outside on both sides and make plays. When you look at him at Georgia, that's what he did. They had enough girth and enough size on that defensive line. You had to double Jordan Davis darn near on every single play. Wyatt was a force because he was really their move guy. But when you looked at N'Kobe, you know, N'Kobe was just back there making plays, man. And I think he's, he's stepping into a similar situation here. That's the physical part of it. Dude, you know what I like about this kid the most? I mean, yeah. I know you yeah. watched the national championship game and how yeah. he got on his other linebacker mate, you know, about not being in the right place, taking the wrong step and getting in his way. Um, right. The kid is a natural born leader. And when yes. I look at the Philadelphia Eagles defense, you know, I talked about it in our draft show the other night. I don't mm -hmm. think the Eagles have had great leadership on the defensive side of the ball since Malcolm Jenkins and Chris Long left this football mm -hmm. team. And I think when you're drafting, you know, it you have to incorporate leadership skills into some of the guys that you draft because you need leaders on that side of the ball. BG mm -hmm. is a vocal guy. He's going to lead coming yep. off a major injury. But you got to believe that he's going to be back 100%. He's going to be a voice. He's going to be able to lead. The Kobe Dean is going to have to lead by example until, you know, he gets through this rite of passage, if you will, as a young player and then step into mm -hmm. being, you know, a vocal leader. Because you can only lead if you're leading by example first. Then you, right. can lead by, you can lead by, you can lead vocally. Um, I think he does both. And I think he's a major plus, not only because of, you know, the type of football player he's going to be for this organization, but the potential leadership, the, excuse me, the potential uh -huh. leadership skills that this young kid possesses. Okay. Now, I agree with you 100%, but but how long does a rookie have to know his place before he can be that vocal leader, somebody who can get in somebody's face? You know, they always talk about you have to pay your dues. And then when it comes to the NFL, you know, a lot of veterans are not going to let a rookie check them in a lot of cases. So what does it take for him to reach that level that he can become that vocal guy that he was at Georgia? Performance. Performance okay. and then becoming – production, performance, and then becoming – um, you know, one of the focal points in the defense. And he has the potential to do all of those things. Um, you can only lead to the level that you perform and you produce. When you start opening your mouth and you're not doing anything, you know, now you create factions in the, you know, in, in the unit because guys are going to talk, man, listen, he's over there running his mouth and he missed, you know, he got blown up on the last play. You know, he missed three tackles. He dropped an interception. But when you're performing and you're producing, um, it, it, it produces this thing where guys want to follow you because they want to, they want to perform like you're performing. So you're what right. they're doing is they're looking at what you do. They're looking at your preparation. They're looking at, you know, your effort. They're looking at your production and, you know, they're, they're like, well, you know, if this guy's getting it done, you know, I got to step up now for a young guy it's hard, but all you got to do is look in Dallas and look at what Michael Parsons did last year. And in my opinion, yes became a leader right away with with double digit sacks and the amount of plays that he made 
and the level of play, how he raised the level of competition and play on that team. Um, he became an instant, you know, leader on that team by by um, by production. You know, now I don't know how much how vocal he was, but you can see that Nicobe Dean has that vocal side to him. Now he's mm-hmm. got to come in and prove to his teammates, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, that he can be that same player. And the minute he starts producing, and the and the minute that he starts being productive. He's going to have a voice on that football team, you know, to step up and be able to say things with people, you know, believing in it, honoring it, and following it. You being not just a former NFL linebacker, but one of the greatest linebackers in Eagles history, you have to be salivating at, at the Eagles linebacking situation right now, a, a position that we all have criticized for years, because now you have Hassan Reddick, who can put his hand down in the dirt or stand up. You have Kazir White, who they picked up as well. And now this kid here. The, the games that, that Jonathan Gannon can play, not just with the linebacking, but now with his front seven, with Jordan Davis, that rotation mm-hmm. of D-tackle, your edge rushers, there's no excuse for Jonathan Gannon for not being a more of an aggressive uh, style defense compared to what we yeah. saw in 2021. Well, the only the only thing I can think of that's going to be a hindrance to him, you know, is 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 his back end because the Eagles didn't do much, you know, right. on at the safety position where they need help. They've only got, I think, one safety, you know, under yeah. contract right now, um, you know, and they need a cornerback to replace Steven Nelson on the outside. I think that those situations last year, contri- and, and the fact that you had linebackers that they felt like they couldn't blitz. Mm-hmm. Um, so anytime they wanted to bring an extra guy, they just went to their five man line, but that gives right. offenses an instant, you know, adjustment because they know what it is to be able mm-hmm. to disguise what you do in your four, two fronts, with your four down and your two, your two linebackers to be able to bring in the Kobe Dean, you know, to be able to, um, go five man and then slide Hassan Reddick back off the ball and bring him as a blitzer, um, you know, Jonathan Gannon's got to get creative. I didn't see a whole lot of creativity, you know, in what they right. did last year. They were pretty vanilla. I think that they tried to disguise a lot of things, which got them in trouble coverage-wise from time mm-hmm. to time. But when they needed to bring pressure, he was extremely reluctant to bring pressure, had everybody in Philadelphia screaming about it. And there was never really any explanation about why they weren't more aggressive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's my opinion that they felt like they didn't have the linebackers. You know, when you brought an extra guy, they could win and get home. They didn't have a guy that they could trust. That situation has been resolved not only with N'Kobe Dean, not only with Hassan Reddick, but also with um, um, Kazir White. And if yes. Davion Taylor can stay healthy, you know, yes. he's got he's got oodles of potential um, in this pool of linebackers to be highly competitive for playing time. And really, that's what you need, because what you're going to get when you got all of these guys, everybody's jockeying for playing time. And, you know, in the NFL now, it's not like when I played, you know, I never mm-hmm. came off the field unless I was injured. I didn't come off because yeah. I was tired and I need some Gatorade or I need a blow or I needed some oxygen. You know, right. we played every down. These guys are only going to play 60 to 65 percent of the plays, which means mm-hmm. that Davion Taylor, um, Kazir White, um, Sean Bradley is a major year for him. These guys are going to, they're going to be vying for that other 30 to 30, 35% playing time. That's going to be out there. So 
teams now they don't they don't care about the fact that oh he's a, he's a backup you know you got to be ready to play tj edwards you know we forgot to talk about him he stepped right. into a starter role you know last year he's a guy that's going the competition level is going to be palpable you know at the linebacker position this year and that's what you need because the, now the cream is going to rise to the top and you're going to get the best player that you got the best two on the roster is going to get the lion's share of the play Hey, Seth, there's no no question the back end of the defense is still a, a major cause for concern. But we have seen uh, year in and year out when when teams have uh, a weak link on the back end, if that front seven is utilized properly, it can cover up a lot of the deficiencies mm-hmm. on the back end. You agree? I agree wholeheartedly because, you know, people yeah. don't realize the coverage and the, and, and the pressure up front that – the, the mm-hmm. defensive backs and the, and the defensive linemen, they're so intricately t- in, intricately tied together. Because mm-hmm. um, if you're not getting to the quarterback, those guys can only cover for so long. But if those guys right. are covering their behind off, you hear coverage sacks, things like that sometimes. Those guys can help the front. The front can help them by getting pressure, you know, as well. Um, the only reservation I have is that Jonathan mm-hmm. Gannon has the propensity to play soft a lot with his cornerbacks and with his with his um with his slot corner. Now the good quarterbacks, they're gonna pre-snap read it. They're gonna see the cornerbacks off seven to eight yards and it's gonna take the five yard speed out. Or they're gonna take the hitch right now, hope they can make the guy miss, you know, and break a big one. If you don't start getting your cornerbacks up where they're challenging wide receivers at the line of scrimmage, you negate mm-hmm. your ability to have this this prolific defensive line to get there. I'm trying to remember what game it was. They were complaining how fast the opposing team was getting the ball out. Well, if you're going to play off and you, and the other team knows that you've got, you know, great pass rushes, a great defensive line, then the yeah. quarterback's not going to sit there and hold the ball. You know, they're just going to take what, what the defense is giving them. If that slants on the backside, you got a three by one. And on the one side, you know, that guy's playing off and outside. That's a pitch and catch that, you know, junior college quarterbacks can make, you know, so you got to get up, you got to get up, you got to get back, you got to move around, you got to get in, you got to get out, you got to figure out a way to throw off the good quarterbacks. Now, it's not going to be a problem against the quarterbacks that aren't that good, but the elite level quarterbacks, what they're going to do is they're going to look up and they're going to look outside and they're going to give a little head nod and that's going to tell that wide receiver, okay, you got to speed out, you got to slant, you got a quick hitch, I'm just going to get it out there, get it out, get it in your hand, hope you can go, you know, make a play. But you got to confuse quarterbacks. You can't just be stagnant in what you do. You got to disguise what you're doing. You got to move mm-hmm. safeties around. You got to, you know, move your cornerbacks around. You even got to put your cornerbacks inside sometime and tell them to play inside technique and challenge, you know, quarterbacks to make those great throws on the outside, you know, the, the outside fourth of the field, if you will, outside the numbers. Um, when you look at the Eagles draft overall. Let's start with Jordan Davis real quick. Do, do, how much did you like that pick? Were you still feeling they should have gone in another direction? They gave up a couple of um, high draft pick commodities to get this young man. But I tell you what, this man is like an 18-wheeler on two legs. Well, I, I like the draft. I like the draft pick. My only reservation with Jordan um, Davis will be um, how much of a pass rusher he can be. He gives them, first of all, he gives them a lot of flexibility um, within their defense because, you know, with Hassan Reddit, you can go five man, you can go eagle front, you can go a 30 front, 
you know, where you're actually putting Jordan Davis on the nose, mm -hmm. um, right on the center's head, and then you can kick Hargrave and Cox out to three techniques. Um, there's a lot that you can do. You can morph from five man, you know, to um, from five, from a five man look to a four man look and rotate Hassan Reddick back off the ball and send him, you know, on a blitz. You can drop him in the coverage. There's a lot of different things that Jonathan Gannon can do because right. of because of Jordan Davis. Um, my only reservation about Jordan Davis is can we get him down to 315 to 320 mm -hmm. and can we work on his pass rush skills where we can make him as a proficient uh, a, a pass rusher as he is a run stopper? Um, because if he can't rush the passer, then in long yardage situations and third down situations, you don't have to take him off the field. Mm. What and about the A.J.? That's a heavy price to pay, D, to move from yeah. 15 to 13 and give up those three draft picks to do so for a guy that's only a two-down player. Well, I mean, we, if you look at the way um, Jonathan Gannon um, likes to use his D lineman, he likes to rotate them. You know, the kid Jordan Davis played 38% of the snaps when he was at Georgia. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine him pay, playing any more than that when you consider you have two high-priced pro bowlers playing in front of him, which is not a bad thing in his initial year because he's learning a from two of the best at the position. I just think for what you gave up for him and, 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 and okay. things of that nature, I think he's got to – listen, he's a behemoth, man. 6'6", yep. 341 pounds. You know, you can't single block him. I don't – yeah. even right now as a rookie, you cannot single block this kid, you know. And he eats up double teams, and he has a real good knack – for getting skinny and getting between double teams, even when guys are trying to double and then work up second level. Um, he has a, he's got a great feel for being able to defeat that. Um, you know, listen, they still got Milton Williams. Milton Williams to me is a guy that's very versatile. You can play him in a three technique or you can kick him out and play him at defensive end, you know, from time to time when you, where you need to. Um, so they're not going to have a problem from the standpoint of, you know, bodies. But my biggest issue, if you're going to move up to 13 to take a guy like yeah. this, you're not looking to have this guy only play 30% of the plays. Yeah, I, I would prefer to see him more in the 40 to 40 to 45 percent, you know, range because of what he mm -hmm. brings. On early downs, he's going to be able to, you know, dare teams to run the football. Um, but like you said, like I said, once you get the third down situations or you get in the second long situations. Are you running him off the field and bringing somebody in? And maybe, maybe you know, at, at Georgia, he was playing at 250, 250, 350, excuse right. me, 350, 355, right. okay? Maybe that's too heavy for him. Maybe they realize that that way he can only give you X amount of plays a game, okay? So now you're playing on a professional level. You're getting paid to play. You're getting paid to play as many plays as we can get out of you to be as, as productive. Because when we move up to 13, we're saying that, you know, this guy is an integral part of what we're doing. So how do you get him in shape? How do you get his weight down where he can give you 40 to 45 percent of the snaps game in and game out, even as a rookie? What about the move to get uh, A.J. Brown? from the Tennessee Titans, instead of going out and getting an unproven commodity in the college ranks, they go out and get a guy who's done it and done it at a high level for three years now. Well, listen, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I think that, um, you know, the Eagles basically have drafted a wide receiver in the first round of the last four right. years. Okay. Right. With, with that move, <laughs> with that move, that's, that's really what it is. You know, 
Um, yeah. But I love the move because, you know, I said at the end of last year when we talked about, you know, what the Eagles needed going into, you know, the offseason, I felt like they needed a veteran wide receiver. They needed a guy who's already done it, a guy that can come in and lead these young guys mm-hmm. um, and and help them to realize their potential. That's nothing against the, off, the, the, the wide receivers coach, but there's just something about having a guy who's already been established, a guy who's been to a Pro Bowl, a guy who's had 1,000-yard seasons, a guy who's yeah. played you know, in playoff games, a guy that can mentor these young guys on what to do and how to become better professionals. Um, and, you know, guess what? You gave him the $100 million for four-year extension, Woo. but at the end of the day, that's the going rate. That, that's, that's the going rate. Devontae Adams is averaging, what, $30 million a year? Almost, yes. Other- yeah, some of the other guys you're looking at, they're right around 25. So you're getting fair market value for a guy that's 24 years old. He's played three years in the NFL. His best years and his peak years, in my opinion, is ahead of him. And, yeah, you use a, a second, a, a, a 1A, a 1B draft pick, I should say, to acquire him, you know, for a bunch of – for your 18th pick to swap from 18 down to 15, I think it was. Yep. And, then you, and then you turn around – and you give away some later round draft picks, you know, that are shots in the dark anyway. Listen, Howie was on fire, on fire Thursday night, as far as I'm concerned. And in the second round, the uh, Eagles decided to take uh, possibly the heir apparent to uh, Jason Kelsey, who's been talking about retiring for the last three years now. He comes back in a one year deal. Uh, you like the move uh, that they made to get this Cameron Jurgens, this center out of Nebraska? Well, you know, I, I said, you know, at the end of the year, you know, that offensive line depth um, was something that the Eagles needed to um, address. And, and right. you know, I, I didn't really talk about it a lot, you know, as, right. as we got closer to the draft. But I thought, you know, that one of those three picks, had they kept the three picks, that one of those picks was certainly going to be an offensive lineman. Listen, Jason Kelsey, what is he going to, his 10th year? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think 10th or 11th year. I hope and pray that, you know, you know, his body is healing up and he's rejuvenated and he's got another two or three years left in him. I believe that, you know, that he's now beginning to see the moves that Howie is making and that the organization is making and that just maybe, just maybe there's Mm -hmm. one more Super Bowl, you know, on the horizon for him and maybe he'll hang around and stay a little longer. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the video, but when he found out, that the Eagles made that trade for, for, you know, AJ Brown. I mean, you yeah. should have seen his reaction, you know, that yeah. tells me that's a guy that's excited about the prospect of getting back into the playoffs, winning and moving through the playoffs and potentially having, you know, another um, Super Bowl championship on his hall of fame resume when it comes time for him to call it a day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's a good move. I'd be curious to see. I don't know enough about, you know, the kid that they drafted out of, um, out of Nebraska. Nebraska. Yeah. I don't know enough about him to know whether he's versatile enough to be interchangeable, kind of like Landon Dickerson was. You know, listen, Mm -hmm. they brought Landon Dickerson in to be the heir apparent. Then they put him at guard and found out, you know, that he could play guard and center. You know, now I think he's probably entrenched there. And from what I understand, Jason Jason Kelsey kind of, you know, advised and and helped in this decision-making on who that guy, who that center was that they were going to go after. When you watch him on film – He's a he's a bigger version of Jason. He can when you leave him un, uncovered, 
He can pull and get out on screens like Jason Kelsey does, but he's like, he's over 300 pounds. I think he's something like 310 uh, or 315, somewhere in there, but he can move and he can run like Jason does. So I think the Eagles are in good, they're in good position there. My only, my only concern is right guard. You know, are we going to, are we going to go into this year with Nate Herbert being the guy, um, or are we going to maybe slide um, this Jurgens kid over from center for a year and play him at right yeah. guard. Potentially, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then and then and then if Jason Kelsey decides to continue to play, guess what? We got a solidified line with guys that are getting a a a a, a whole bunch of experience, and then you got options. You know, when Jason Kelsey does decide to call it a day, because a you can either you can either slide Dickerson in the center, you can sign Jurgens in the center. And then you can go and find you another veteran guard and not miss a beat because these guys are going to get, you know, the experience of being starters probably this entire year. Mm -hmm. If you want to learn the game of football, if you want to understand the intricacies of football, this man right here is the man you need to listen to. And you can each and every week on his Seth Joyner podcast. I cannot thank you enough, my friend, for taking some time to – Talk, talk to us here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel on this edition of Draft Takes, man. I, I call you at the last minute, and most of the time, like you did right now, you answer the call. So I can't thank you I'm enough for you. that. Come on, man. You know, if you if you was um if, if you was on the moon and you called me and said you needed me, man, I'd be on the next next rocket up there. I call Elon Musk, I'd be up there, man. So I, I know you would, man. So stand so stay tuned because you never know when D Guns are gonna call you out of the clear blue again. Just as long as you don't call me off the course, you you good. <laughs> I know. I know. That's right. Hey, everybody, thank you for uh, tuning in for this edition of Draft Takes here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Hey, continue to smash that like button and keep subscribing to the channel as well. We thank you. Thousands of people have been following us since the uh, 2022 NFL Draft kicked off. And we thank you for participating for that. Don't forget also, uh, Monday through Friday from noon to 3 every day, It is myself with Barrett Brooks and Rob Ellis as we take you through Sports Take as we talk about all the topics around this region in the Philadelphia sports scene. And hey, also, make your summer plans right now at Ocean Casinos Resort, the exclusive provider for all Jacob Media content. Go for the beach. Go for the win. So until next time, I'm Derek Gunn. This is Draft Takes. Thanks for watching. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org.